Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 337 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. How are you doing this week, Eddie? I'm good, my man. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. Let's waste no time. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here with the card that took place on Friday uh, in Newcastle at the Newcastle Arena. This one was on Eurosport, a Probellum show. Um, friend of the show, Troy Williamson, now 18-0 with a draw. He was able to cling on to his British super welterweight title. He was actually down in the second round, which was a real shock. Um, he took on, I think it was a late replacement as well in in, in uh, Mason Cartwright, now 17 and free with a draw. Um, Mason Cartwright, I, you know, I can't remember who Williamson was originally supposed to face, but I'm sure it wasn't Mason Cartwright. But anyway, he stepped in, he had cornrowed hair, and um, he looked quite quite cool, if you ask me. And to be honest, he boxed to a really good game plan. Um, I wasn't scoring it, but obviously, I think Cartwright had a really good start to the fight. You know, I think he won the first round, dropped Williamson in the second round. There was a few times where he caught Williamson, and Williamson looked hurt and buzzed. Um, All in all, though, I couldn't tell you who I think won the fight. Obviously, the scorecards were quite close, but I wasn't scoring it, so um, I'm happy for Williamson as a friend of the show. But other than that, not too sure. Um, elsewhere on the card, Lewis Ritson now 23-2, and a unanimous decision win over Dijans Latichanin, who's now 24-4. and Way too small, really, um, Latichanin, I think, to be honest. He lost every round, like I say, complete shutout to Ritson. Uh, Ritson's jab was working well, and, you know, I'm not sold on Ritson. I don't think anyone's ever going to blow through British level like Ritson did. And I think it was incredible, but I'm just not sold on him. I don't think, I think there's a, you know, his ceiling pretty much is European level at the very best. And the opponent kind of has to be right. You know, we saw what happened. He went from British level to European and got beaten up by uh, Francesco Patera. That was a real upset. And um, since then, he's kind of, you know, he's moved up in weight, had had a couple of decent wins, didn't he? I think he beat... um, Robbie Davies Jr., I wasn't really expecting that to happen, but Robbie Davies Jr., I'm not too sure how good he really is, um, he hasn't really looked good of late, and then he had the the shocking, you know, he lost to Miguel Vasquez, didn't he, and he, he, he actually uh, somehow won on the, on the scorecard, so not too impressed with him, I'm not sure, it's, it's just a bit confusing with him really, where's he going to go, again, I think if he wins a European title, it would be a massive achievement, but nowhere near world level, I, you know, there was talk for one time about him fighting Regis Progre, 
he's kind of on the same level really as Tyrone McKenna, someone like that. And we saw what Progre did to McKenna. You know, let's let's steer clear of world level for Ritz. And I wouldn't mind seeing him in with Tyrone McKenna, to be honest with you. But yeah, they've got to be careful with him. 22-2. and two. I like the guy. I really do. But, you know, it's just not, he's not, I don't think he's going anywhere, to be honest with you. Um, Thomas Patrick Ward with a win. He's now 32-0 and 0 with a draw. Still kind of fighting guys that, you know, are no threat to him, and I don't know what's going on with his career. I think he's got the most wins, um, you know, the, the the longest unbeaten streak in British boxing. I think he's overtook Tyson Fury, but hasn't boxed anywhere near world level. He got in with a guy called Alexis Cabor, who lost a shutout on all three scorecards back in the you know in the in the back end of last year at York Hall to Archie Sharp. So, yeah, same thing here. Thomas Patrick Ward, as I say, I predicted it. He was going to win. Uh, easily on points and he did 100 to 90 um joe laws as well from that area um he actually lost as well a shock loss there on points to journeyman alexi tutorov who's now 5 and 27 with six draws joe laws uh, lost closely there on points 58 57 for the journeyman joe laws now 12 and 2 again his career looks in tatters moving out now to the estadio luna park in buenos aires argentina this one over here was on premier sports in the uk the unbeaten argentine gustavo daniel lemos 27 and 0 very padded record though hadn't really boxed anyone of note doesn't always mean that they're absolute garbage. We saw him get in here with former IBF uh, featherweight world champion Lee Selby, friend of the show. Lee Selby, for the first two rounds, was absolutely schooling Lemos, to be honest with you, making him miss wildly, you know, popping, popping out the jab. I didn't really rate Selby's power. Sometimes he'd let the backhand go and it just didn't it didn't look like much, and Lemos wasn't bothered by it at all. And in the end, Lemos managed to invest in the body of Selby. I say in the end, it didn't last long. You know, Selby's knocked out in the fifth round, the first time Selby's ever been stopped. Um, yeah, so down once in the fourth round, Selby, and that was a massive round for Lemos. Not only did he knock Selby down, but he pretty much had him out on his feet. You know, he was running around the ring after him, just battering him really and then um you know hitting him in the body and stuff like that and then like I say round five early in the round as well I think it was he was down and then down again so down three times in total and Selby just looked um finished really you know and it was it kind of reminded me a tiny bit about Andrew Selby when he boxed uh, Martinez um you know the way he just kind of crumbled or fell apart really quickly in that part of 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 America, so um, yeah, it was a bit similar to that. But I think Lee Selby now, you know, certainly at the back end of his career, doesn't need to box for money. So I think that could be it for him. Um, again, he, uh, he 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 hasn't been champion, I think, for four years, and in that time. To be completely honest, I mean, it's been very slow, but I still think he beat George Cambosos and didn't get the decision. And then, of course, Cambosos has gone on to become, uh, you know, the, the main man at 135, you know. So Lee Selby's only just moved up not long ago from 126. He moved up two weight classes, beat Ricky Burns, hasn't really capitalized on anything, and then lost to Cambosos, where I certainly felt he won. It was an unpopular opinion, but I felt he won. And then he finds himself in Argentina. I think it was a final eliminator, so he kind of had to go there because Selby, without a belt, doesn't really have much value, unfortunately. And a lot of the Welsh guys suffer about this. They don't 
you know, they, they don't all have big fan bases because the shows are few and far between in Wales. So you pretty much need to sign with a promoter in England where you're going to fight, you know, on big cards over here. And Eddie Hearn, for whatever reason, doesn't sign many Welsh guys or Frank Warren doesn't sign many Welsh guys. So, yeah, Lee Selby's had his had his moment in the spotlight, been a world champion. There's there's only a few that's ever been world champion in, in Wales. So he's on that very short list. Great fighter at 126, but... Yeah, I think the age has caught up with him now, and um, just everything really didn't look the same fighter. Um, moving out now to the Führer Arslan Sports Center in Baden-Württemberg, Germany. This one, of course, promoted by Führer Arslan, and he was on the main event. He moved to 51-9 and nine with three draws, a TKO in round two against Tony Thez, who's now 19-11 and 11 with a draw. Great win there for Firat Arslan, age 51 or 52. Also on the card, we mentioned him last week, Daniel Dietz. He weighed in at 277 pounds. He was able to knock out in just one round Miralem Ameti, who's now 0-3. That's what I want to see from Mr. Dietz. 277 pounds of, I'm guessing, nothing, not much muscle. I didn't see a picture of him, but I just hope he looks like a human cheeseburger. Moving out now to another part of Germany at the Westfalen Hall in Dortmund. Um, Felix Sturm actually topped the bill over here. He is now 42-6 and six with three draws. He lost a majority decision over 12 rounds against Isfan Silly, who's now 26-2 and two with two draws. It was for the IBO Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. Um, there's a thing, they call it Sturmany. Where you know you you're not going to get a decision, <laughs> you're not going to get a decision in Germany. Um, I don't know if they say that; it's something I made up. But anyway, they did give this guy the the decision, which was very shocking. Like I say, it was a close fight, and um, he's managed to to win it there. Ice Ice Van Silly, so good stuff for him. Um, elsewhere, let's go now to the duty free tennis stadium in Dubai. This one over here, I think, was topped by Mike Perez, the Cuban, now 27 and 3 with a draw. He was able to beat Vasil Dukar, who's now um, 10 and 5 with a draw. He retired on his store after round 10 there, Dukar, um, of a scheduled 12 rounder there for the WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. I didn't see it. On the undercard as well, Lemroy Thomas, uh, former foe of Dave Allen, two times. He was actually knocked out in round three against Argan Smakichi, who's now 18 and one. Lemroy Thomas now 26, uh, sorry, 25 and six with a draw. Um, I believe that was the card that was supposed to feature Marcos Maidana. I don't know what's gone on with that. I didn't see it or anything like that, so I don't know if he did end up fighting or not. Um, haven't seen any clips or anything, so I'm not sure if that went ahead or not. If anyone saw it, please let me know. Um, I think the latest on it was that there was trouble with the opponent. There was some kind of travel issue, and I don't know. I don't think it ended up going ahead, to be honest with you. So we will put a pin in that one, and if it happens, then... Uh, we shall talk about it if it gets rescheduled. Moving out now to the Victoria Warehouse in Trafford Road, Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. And Al Siesta, um, well, he was a matchmaker, not the promoter. It was a Pat Barrett show. Um, over here, just one fight to mention. Former co-host Hannah Bagley making her, uh, her second um, pro outing. She's now 1-1. One one. She lost 
on points over four two-minute rounds against Becky Ferguson, who's now two and four. Um, the sole judge, which was also the referee, Darren Sarginson, scored it um, three rounds to one for Becky Ferguson. So that's a that's a huge blip there for Hannah Bagley. You know, boxing a lady who had uh, a losing record. You know, she's now one and one as a pro. It's not it's not a good look. Um, what else do we have? Let's move now to the Wembley Arena uh, in London. This one was on Sky. Um, I I watched some of this card, so let's go through it. Let's go with the undercard. Shannon Ryan made her debut. She's now one one and zero, a four uh, round win there on points. She won every round against Claudia Ferranti, who is now twenty and ninety with eight draws. I really didn't know that they had journey women with that many fights. That's incredible. Hundred and eighteen fights as a pro. That's amazing. Um, anyway. Moving now to other fights on the undercard. Let's go here. Um, Joe Pigford with a win. 19-0, and 0, a TKO in round four against David Romero. Always expected to happen. Romero now 12-15 and 15 with a draw. Pigford now 19-0 and 0 with 18 KOs. Um, Romero down in the first round and then once in the fourth prior to the stoppage. Um, I want to see him stepped up though, Pigford. I don't want to keep seeing him knock all these guys out that no one's ever heard of. Um... Moving now to another fight on the undercard, Caroline Dubois. She actually messed up my parlay slash accumulator. I expected her to go the distance with Martina Horgaz, who I think only had one loss by stoppage. Um, she's now 5-9. and nine. She was actually knocked out with a body shot within the first minute, I believe it was, of the first round. So Caroline Dubois now 2-0. and Really quick and easy night's work there for her. Uh, Chris Congo with a win as well, now 13-1. and A points win over 8 against Kelvin Dotel, who's now 14-7. and uh, Louis Green got in there with Harry Scarf for the vacant English welterweight title. Louis Green ended up losing by unanimous decision over 10, so... Pleased there for uh, Harry Scarf now 11 and 2 now the new English welterweight champion and Louis Green now 13 and 3 uh, moving up the card once again Dan Aziz with a win he's now 16 and 0 um, do you know what this is the fight that fell through wasn't it I talked about Mason Cartwright stepping in on late notice with Troy Williamson no it was Dan Aziz who had the last minute replacement I believe Reese Cartwright you can't blame me there for mixing up two guys with the same surname not sure if they're related Dan Aziz now 16 and 0 TKO in the eighth round against Reese Cartwright, who I believe was a late replacement. Twenty-three and three now Cartwright. I don't remember watching that fight to be honest with you. There were so many fights on on the weekend. I do not remember watching that one. Um, and the main event, I saw little bits of it because it clashed with a different card. Uh, Richard Riappor now fourteen and zero. He was able to knock out in the eighth round Dion Juma. Um, Dion Juma now fourteen and one. Juma down in the fourth round and then. Uh, it was a body shot that stopped him in the eighth round. I did see the first knockdown. It was a really heavy knockdown from Riakpour. Um, But Juma, you know, I said it before, he's been treading water for a long, long time. Hasn't had a step up. He's kind of just been there in, in the background, really. Hasn't been on any big, you know, high-profile undercards or anything. He's just been really, really flying under the radar. And it's cost him. Because when he's had the step up against Riakpour... He's lost in that fashion. He wasn't really 
I say he wasn't really in the fight. I mean, yeah, he had a couple of rounds you could probably give to him. He had a few skills, but they were few and far between. I mean, he just didn't have what it takes to look at any point like he beat Ryakpo. I think he was too small. Ryakpo is a big, big guy, a big frame, punches hard. And Juma just looked a bit small, doesn't really hit as hard. I don't know, it just style-wise, style size-wise, just wasn't really working for him. So I don't know what he does from here because he finds himself in a very hard place. No big promoter. He's lost his O now. I don't know if there's much value left in him. He's got to be coming up to his mid-30s now. It's a shame, really, because it's, it's probably not his fault the way his career's gone. Um, maybe he can come back against someone like... Um, someone like a Luke Watkins, you know, how about that one, Luke Watkins, that'd be nice, or maybe, I don't want to say feed him to, but maybe him and uh, Isaac Chamberlain, or maybe him and um, the loser of, of the rematch between Chris Billum Smith and Tommy McCarthy, I don't know, I guess there are some fights that can be made, whether or not they will be made, I'm not sure, because I'm not sure what kind of value Dion Juma now has. Moving out now to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This one was on the zone. Let's talk about the undercard first. Um, Sky Nicholson with a win. I wish I heavily bet on this one because I could see this one going the way it went all day long. Sky Nicholson to win on points. Yes, it did happen. She's now 2-0, and a points win there over six two-minute rounds against Beck Connolly, who's now 3-12. and She won every single round, Nicholson. Once again, um, I was one of the probably few people that stayed up till early hours of the morning to watch her debut in the States a few weeks back. And what frustrated me about her was she boxed, I think it was a Mexican girl, and she was just boxing off the back foot. She wasn't pressing the action. She wasn't coming forward. And I was thinking to myself, you've got the skills to push this girl back. You've got the skills to perhaps go for a stoppage. But she, she wasn't interested, really. She just wanted to box off the back foot, not get hit, and um, and, and make it kind of boring, really, and, and kind of live up to, I guess... Don't, don't shoot me down for this, but I guess the stereotypical women's style of fighting. You know, a little bit amateurish. But in this fight here, she decided to come forward and put the pressure on, which I didn't see her doing, to be honest with you. I didn't think she'd do that. Uh, Beck Connolly is a little bit durable, a little bit. And I just thought, based off of Sky Nicholson, if she's going to box off the back foot and stuff like that, she's not going to stop Beck Connolly. Um, but... Do you know what? At times, I think it was probably a few punches away. Um, Bet Connolly, I mean, I hate to say it, I really like her. I, you know, I think she's like in the army or something. I think she's she's a single mother of two daughters or something. And she's she's been in the army or whatever. It's, it's a cool story she's got. I hope I'm not, um, you know, telling any accidental fibs there. I think they are all, they, that is all true. But yeah, she's she's a mother, and uh, I really like her. I've seen a couple of interviews. She's really funny and bubbly and stuff like that. Doesn't take herself too seriously. Problem is, boxing is a serious sport, and I hate to say this, but I think that you know, if I was involved and I was part of the British Boxing Board of Control, I'd probably have a look at maybe taking her license. To be honest with you, because. She she's very slow. She punches really slow and her defense is pretty much non-existent. She just takes punches in the face and she takes them really, really bad. I mean, she's obviously got a little bit of a chin because she doesn't get stopped every time, but 
she 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 gets hit and it looks it looks horrible you know and she she kind of reacts slow to it and it, it, i don't know it, it kind of reminds me of like a full grown woman beating up a, a, like a 14 year old girl or something when i see her fighting and i mean no disrespect by that obviously i really like her i care about her as a fighter but i don't like what i'm seeing she's taking a pasting you know all the time and um it's it's not good for her health and it you know it's it's bad so um, I don't want to see too much more of that, to be honest with you. She she's got nothing to prove. She she's not going to get anywhere with her career. I don't want to see her being bashed up by every young female that turns over. Uh, elsewhere on the card, Dalton Smith now ten and oh a TKO in the tenth and final round against Rain Moylet, who's now. 12 and 2 it was for the vacant WBC international silver super lightweight title Dalton Smith had two points deducted for a low blow in round 7 um Moylet down twice in that final round and the corner um through the towel in the corner of course uh, Packy Collins threw it in um scary fight really scary fight from my point of view because um I had quite a large bet on Dalton Smith to win it was like the last leg of my parlay and of course when the referee took two points away for a deduction uh, uh, for a low blow and then said if you do that again you're getting thrown out and then he did it again and I thought oh my god am I about to lose this bet purely because he's going to get disqualified then the referee didn't take a point that time and I don't think he should have anyway because it looked to me like it was on the belt line but um, thankfully he didn't take a point but I'm going to be a little bit critical of Dalton Smith. I think his defense is a little bit leaky. Um, obviously, he was way too good for Moylet, but I just felt on the offense, he, he's fantastic. But I don't think everyone, you know, I'm sure you know this as well, Eddie. You see a fighter coming through, fantastic offense. Um, you, 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 I guess casual fans wouldn't really notice the deficiencies in their defense and for me I felt his defense was a bit leaky I didn't think he moved his head much I felt he needed to brush up on those two things and I didn't like when he'd switched to southpaw momentarily um, I also felt he looked a little bit stiff at times but no he does offensively have an unbelievable punch selection unbelievable shot placement and power in both hands and he's got good movement good footwork um, but yeah I <laughs> I was really worried when he had those points deducted because I think, honestly, if Moylet would have stayed down, he could have probably got him disqualified. But the referee didn't want to do it, and he, you know, he he, he was harsh with his telling off. Um, but yeah, it was the the first one when he when he hit him with this low blow and he had the two points took off. Um, Dalton Smith kind of hit Moylet low, and it was very clearly low, straight in the in the in the jingle bells, and he followed up with a left hook as well upstairs, which connected quite good. I thought that Moylet was gonna make a proper meal and stay down and try and get him DQ'd, but um, yeah, the ref kind of weren't having none of it. But I don't know <laughs> what he could really do if he didn't want to get back up, um, and he and he took his five minutes and still couldn't carry on. But the referee took the two points, as I said, and. And and he, he sternly warned Dalton, said, if you do it again, you're getting disqualified. And when he did it again and Moylet went down again, I, I honestly, the referee kind of put himself in a tough spot because of what he said. And the replay, as I say, he showed it was on the belt line, but it was scary because I thought he was going to get disqualified. They gave him a final warning again. No points deducted on that second one. And Smith, from that point, pretty much had to box and move and just headhunt, went on the front foot. And he... 
you know, he was scared to really throw a body shot, and rightly so. And he managed to put Moylet down, like I say, twice in that last round, and the towel come in. Um, Moylet initially was screaming at, at Packy Collins in the corner, but I think Packy Collins was probably right to stop the fight. Um, that's it for that one. Moving up the card once again, Ebony Bridges now 8 and 1. She's now the new IBF world female bantamweight champion over 10 two minute rounds there against Maria Roman, who's now 16 and 6 with a draw. Not a fantastic fighter, Roman. Bit of a gimme, really, in terms of a, a route to win a world title for Bridges. Um, Roman had never been stopped. She still hasn't been stopped. I did not see any of this fight at all so I've got no idea what happened remember Ebony Bridge blocked me on Twitter so I don't like her too much myself <laughs> um, in other news Maxi Hughes with a win he's now 25 and 5 with two draws a unanimous decision there over 12 rounds against Ryan Walsh who's now 27 and 4 with two draws uh, it was for the IBO world lightweight title Maxi Hughes once again on this unbelievable run if this fight would have took place maybe three four years ago you'd have to say that Ryan Walsh should be a monster favorite in the fight but I think Ryan Walsh as I said on last week's show coming to the end of his career it was kind of a must win for him really and he didn't win and I think that uh, Maxi Hughes boxed out of his skin again on one card he actually uh, won by a shutout so yeah Maxi Hughes he just seems unbeatable at the minute obviously to a certain level but a great selection of opponent I'm not sure who made this fight who, who the matchmaker was but it's a great great look there for Maxi Hughes I mean unbelievable how much he's improved um, and I believe he's training under um, um, Josh Warrington's dad which is quite cool and speaking of the man let's get up to the main event Kiko Martinez now 43 and 11 with two draws he was TKO'd in round seven against Josh Warrington Josh Warrington now reclaims his IBF world featherweight title he's a two-time champion of the world Martinez cut over both eyes and on his forehead down in round one and Warrington I believe ended up getting a broken jaw and a broken hand it was a head clash in round one um that i think caused the cut for martinez on one eye they clash heads and martinez turned away and the referee said box on but seconds later like he, he turned away and winced kind of like whoa like he, he wanted the referee to intervene but the referee just said box on seconds later martinez is covered in blood so obviously it was the head clash that caused that and in the heat of the you know the, the moment Warrington starts putting it on Martinez and Martinez was a bit kind of buzzed with the head clash and the blood and stuff so he put it on him and dropped him Martinez obviously got back up and I actually felt that he hurt Warrington with a jab just as the bell went for the first round but yeah again eventually Warrington wore Martinez down he got the stoppage so credit to Warrington um you know it's uh, still was kind of hard to know what he's got left. I think they should keep him away from certain guys that can punch. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's him and Lee Wood, I think. That's the fight to make, really, in, in Britain. That's that's the fight I think we should see. And you'd have to favour him over Lee Wood, even though Lee Wood's looking great and looking very powerful. I think I'd probably favour Warrington to beat Lee Wood. But it'd be a great fight, and the crowds would turn up for it. So that's a, a great fight next for both guys. As for Kiko Martinez, that's probably the end of the road for him. Um, he'd done amazing to become world champion again at his age, but let's be, let's face it, it's not going to happen again for him. Um, not sure where Kid Galahad finds himself in the mix. Will he get the rematch with Warrington? I very much doubt it. Um, 
Okay, so that's it for that one. Moving now to this one here. It took place at the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, what happened on this card here? Let me remind myself. It was on Showtime. Uh, on the undercard, Michelle Rivera with a win now, 23-0. A unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Joseph Adorno now, 14-1 and with a draw. Uh, sorry, with two draws, so he loses his O. Elvis Rodriguez with a win as well. He's now 13-1 and with a draw. He was able to KO in round 7. Juan Velasco, who's a little tiny bit of a gatekeeper-ish kind of level, I think. He's now 23-3. and um, Joey Spencer with a win as well now, 15-0, and 0, a unanimous decision over 8 against Ravshan Huday Nazarov, who's now 19-5. and 5. The main event, Tim Su now 21-0, and 0, a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Terrell Gaucher. Even though Tim Su himself was down in round 1, it was for the WBO Global Super Welterweight title. Um, Gaucher, as I said, he, 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 he didn't surprise me. I don't think he's a bad fighter. But I, I said it, and I, I, I kind of stand by it even more now. He turned pro and instantly became a gatekeeper. He wasn't good enough to be a world champion, but he was good enough to give fighters on the come-up big, hard tests. And he had Sue down. Um, to be honest, that was his only moment in the fight, really. You maybe could have gave him one or two other rounds during the course of the 12, but... No, I mean, wide in the end on the cards. In fact, not not every card now looking at it, but um, Tim Su really was in total control. I think he even, you know, had more gears to go through. And he's very grounded, Tim Su. I believe after the fight, they said, you know, what do you think you should work on or what do you think you need to work on? And apparently he replied everything. So um, I like that answer. And um, he, he knows, you know, that, that was his US debut I'm sure there's going to be more action over there um, in America in the near future. But for now, he's uh, he's just getting wet. And he is still learning, obviously, 21-0. and 0, And I think he is going to be something for the future, as I've said many, many times. Um, coming down to the final two cards, we're going to whiz through this one here because we're going to be speaking to the man in a moment. But let's talk about... Uh, the undercard, this one, by the way, took place at the Results World Las Vegas in Nevada, USA. It was on Sky Sports. It was on, I'm guessing, ESPN+. Josu Vargas, now 20-2. and two. Um, I'm not sure what happened in this fight, but I heard he got dropped a couple of times. He was able to win, and a lot of people weren't too pleased about it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was able to win a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Nicolas DiMario, who's now 15-6 and six with three draws. Vargas now 20-2. and two. And the main event, Miguel Bachelt, now 38-3. and three. He ended up um, being pulled out in the corner um, after six rounds against Jeremiah Nakafila, the Namibian policeman and pub owner, we'll be speaking to him in just a few moments from now. He's now 23-2. and two. Excellent that he, you know, has come back in this way. He lost to Shakur Stevenson. He didn't even win a round in that fight against Stevenson last year, the early part of last year. And then he goes back to Namibia, picks up a win against absolutely no one, comes back to Las Vegas. He's there again, and this time was able to knock out Bashel, even though Bashel was coming off that brutal knockout loss to Oscar Valdez. Bashel was thinking in his mind, I'm going to come back here, knock out this guy here, who didn't look very good against um, Shakur Stevenson, but Stevenson didn't put him away. I'm going to do it. I, I, I've i got the power that Shakur doesn't have, and when I knock this guy out, it's going to send a statement up the division, and 
you know it's gonna it's gonna put me in a good position. But it wasn't to be. The whole plan got wrecked. Um, Bashelt down in the third round, and like I say, it was a really really good fight. There was one round in there. I can't remember which round it was. Now it was like round of the year, man. They were both pinging each other. Bashelt hit Nakafilo with some massive shots as well. Nakafilo at times looked a little bit wobbly, uh, you know, a bit kind of buzzed with shots and. Um, and Bashelt took so many shots. I mean, I thought, just like a lot of others, that perhaps the chin just wasn't there anymore. No, man, he's got a rock-solid chin. He took so many big shots, but of course couldn't take them all night. I'm going to put a pin in that one. We're going to get Nakafilla on in a few moments. And the final card took place early this week. It took place on Tuesday, the 29th of March, which of course is the birthday of Mr. Fast Eddie, who I believe turned 27 uh, just a couple of days just a couple of days ago. So, happy birthday to you once again, Eddie. As I said on the day, happy birthday and I say it again now, 27 years of age when you're getting old. I know, man. It's getting crazy. I got to I got to stop I got to stop aging somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Fast Eddie, but he ages slow. Um, but like I said, this one took place on the 29th of March on Tuesday in Thailand at the City Hall ground. It's the final fight to mention. I wish I had some good news for this fight, but unfortunately it's bad news. Panya Pradabsri, who, uh, he's now 38-1. and one. He was able to beat once again Chaofon Moonsri, who managed to get to 53 or 54-0 and 0 before losing to Pradabsri. And... I thought that Moonsree could hopefully beat him and then I would petition that he could go back in time and rub off the loss and he'd be about 57-0. and 0. But no, he loses again. So he's 0-2 against Pradabsri and Pradabsri has ruined what was, I think, going to be the longest unbeaten streak in boxing. I think he was going to overtake Julio Cesar Chavez Sr.'s 89-0 and 0 if he was able to carry on. But it was for the WBC World Minimum Weight title and Pradabsri is still the champion over 12 uh, rounds there. Unanimous decision there for Pradabsri. Cheofon Moonsri now 55-2, and two, and I feel very bad for him. The former greatest of all times. Uh, but that is it, though, for the review part of the show. The final thing for me to do is to welcome our special guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former Super Featherweight World Title Challenger, Mr. Jeremiah Nakafila. Jeremiah, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you, thank you. Hey, it's a pleasure having you back on. So, Jeremiah, we last spoke back in May last year. It was just before the uh, the Shakur Stevenson fight. Before we get on to what happened on the weekend, just tell me what you took away from the Shakur Stevenson fight because for whatever reason, you couldn't seem to get into your rhythm. Um, you know, no, I, I'm not taking anything, any uh, uh, negative uh, losing from that loss. You know, it just... For me, I just, you know, learn something, you know, that is more positive and that is more useful uh, from this fight. It, you know, it just make me a better boxer. It just make me uh, mentally, it just, a, a, you know, strengthen my, my mental when it comes to boxing. Okay, so yeah, you got some mental strength from the Shakur Stevenson fight. That's a good thing. Um, after the Shakur Stevenson fight, you returned back to Namibia. You picked up a win back in October, and then you're straight back to Las Vegas for, for the fight with Miguel Bershelt. Once again, you were the underdog 
even though Bichelle was coming off that terrible knockout loss to Oscar Valdez, but you pulled off the upset in Las Vegas on the weekend. Tell me about that amazing fight, the amazing win the other night. Yeah, no, <clears throat> you know, we traveled to, to, to Las Vegas. You know, you know, I was well prepared. Uh, there's no doubt when it comes to my preparation. You know, I, 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 I was well prepared. I was like, hey, this time around, I, I'm not going to let it go. This, this is my chance. And then to prove myself that, you know, we can win. It's one of the history for, for Namibia to win in Las Vegas. There was no evoker win at that level uh, or win in Las Vegas. So, you know, it was, it was for me like I had this, this is my time and then uh, I'm not going to let this opportunity pass me. Whatever it's going to cost, I'm going to be there and I'm going to win. I'm going to leave, when I'm going to leave Las Vegas, I'm going to polish a win and uh, that's what I did. Yeah, it was an excellent win. And I think that Bechel was probably thinking, you know, if he comes back and maybe knocks you out and does something that Shakur Stevenson couldn't do, then that would, you know, that would, I guess, put him in a good position in his career. But you destroyed his plans. <laughs> yes, I did that. You know, because even before the fight, uh, I saw we when we were already in Las Vegas, I think I saw some updates about... Uh, uh, Miguel Bishop talking about he's uh, gonna beat me and uh, he, he would like to to fight Cambososo and uh, you know then I say okay <laughs> he don't know what is coming for him so I was just reading looking at the the way he, he comments about he's going to beat me and they going to 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 we want Cambososo and all these things and, yeah that you know. I said, I don't know what is coming for him. Yeah, no, a lot of people didn't know what was coming. Um, the fight itself, I was shocked how many big punches Bashel took on his chin. Some people thought that maybe he didn't have a good chin anymore because he got knocked out by Valdez, that maybe he couldn't take a big punch. But you hit him with so many big punches, and I was very surprised that he stayed on his feet. Were you surprised at how good his chin was in the fight? Yeah, no, uh, you know, I, I give him credit uh, on, you know, taking some of the big shots, you know, clean, uh, but, uh, you know, he takes them well. So I think he's having a good change. And uh, I myself, I, I could feel that I was hating him. And then uh, I knew at one point he's going, he's going either, either way, the body is going to, you know, he's going to, if you get hit, get hit. You know, although you, you get a strong chin or you, you are strong, you know, it's just a matter of time. It, 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 the body, the energy is going out. I knew I'm going to, he's not going, that fight was not going to reach 10 rounds. Whether the referee stop or himself, I was going to damage him badly. Then if that fight, I could even give him a bad knockout. But, uh, you know, I, I give him credit. He's a, he's a strong boxer. He can take shots, he can take, you know, he take a lot of big punch, you know. And, uh, yeah, I give him credit for that. I was also a bit surprised, like, oh, this guy, I think he can take a punch. I, I, because I, I accept him, I expect him to, to, to shake so easy when I hit him, but 
he was there. He was taking the the, the punch. Yeah, he, he took a lot of big punches. Obviously, he couldn't take them all night long. Um, at times in the fight, Jeremiah, you were happy to stand and trade punches with Bashelt. I don't think I've ever seen anyone stand and trade punches with Bashelt. Um, even if he, he's coming off a loss to Valdez, he still has knockout power. He hit you with some big shots as well. How powerful can he punch? And were you hurt at any point in the fight? Yeah, he, he, he's strong. He, he throws some, uh, you know, he tried also his level best. He, some, he caught me some with few few of the punch. He's strong. I, I could feel his power. And uh, I know... Uh, I was just, but as small as his power, because for me, I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stronger than any of the lightweights or, or junior lights, you know. So even if we are to trade, you know, exchange with him, I'm going to hate him more than, I know he's having a, a high knockout, knockout ratio, uh, but uh, coming to power, I already, I already say to myself, he can't be stronger than me. He can be stronger than me, but uh, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good boxer. He, you know, uh, where he he tried, I could feel that. Yeah, he he can knock someone. Yeah, and a lot of people now think that he should retire, Jeremiah. Do you think he should retire? You know, uh, you know, make no mistake. Give Bichel a different boxer, it be a different outcome. So they might try it. They should they shouldn't write him off because you know he, he still got it you know not I don't see if a lot of someone still if most of the of the the guys they can beat Bashel so uh, yeah people might think maybe because you know I was beating him that way he's an easy guy or maybe he's done but make no mistake he, he might still got it yeah and. Again, some people won't know this, but obviously your nickname is Low Key. I remember when we did an interview the first time round, I said to you, you never really post any footage, any any videos of you training, of you sparring. There's not much footage on YouTube of your fights. It's very hard to find video of you. But now... Those two fights, obviously, in Vegas, I think now you're no longer low-key, now you're high-key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, even after that fight, you know, people, even some of the media, I think now you are high-key. Because, yes, you got it. Or, and uh, we just feel like maybe now you're high-key. Yeah, I smile at it. And, uh, yeah, for sure, I remain low-key. And, uh, you know, just low-key, just, you know, to, to, to uh, express how I am. My lifestyle, you know, I can be, I can be on top there, but you know, I, I can still, I get, I mean, I'm just a lucky guy. Just keep it low life, and uh, you know, you know, just to make happy, you know, my people, my friends, and uh, I can socialize with my friends. You know, I can't be that guy because maybe uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm now on top. I, I cannot socialize with my people. Oh, so, but no, I, I just keep it low-key. That's, that's me. Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously this fight against Bashel was at lightweight. Uh, you both moved up, you know, moved up in weight for this fight. And the reason it was at lightweight was because 
you know, it was supposed to be an advantage for Bechelt, really. But how did you feel in the ring on the night? You looked really strong. Yeah, I feel much stronger at lightweight, and uh, I'm going to remain at the lightweight division. Ah, okay. So, yeah, I feel like I, I didn't, I couldn't suffer to take off uh, much weight at lightweight compared to, to junior light. Junior light, I can still do it, I can still make it, but uh, I feel I can make it, I can make, I make uh, junior, I mean, a lightweight easier, and uh, I. I have more power at, at lightweight. Yeah, okay. Now that's a, maybe a good decision because you're you were very big for 130 and you're still big for 135. So maybe that's going to be healthier for you. Um Jeremiah, what do you want to do next? Is there any fights out there that attract you most at lightweight or Yeah, for sure. I I I would like to to fight you know guys at the lightweight, you know, especially these guys with a belt. You know, I mean, I call them boys. I want those boys uh, with all the belts, you know. I, I want them, Campo Soso, you mentioned all the names, Jenny, all these guys with the belts, I want them. And, uh, and I'm ready, you know, to beat them. I, I, I will not fear any of the lightweights, you know. And for me, you know, sometimes people talk about, no, you are going to Las Vegas, are you not scared? Are you not of the crowd and so on? For me... That this crowd doesn't really matter. All I know, all I all I like is to have a crowd. When I'm going to fight, if there's a crowd, it doesn't matter for who. For me, just to entertain the people, and then I know if it's maybe we will carry more more fans there. I'm going to disappoint them. You know, I like to disappoint fans. Like, okay, they come to see me losing, but at the end of the day, it will be the opposite. Okay, there we go. And my final question for you, Jeremiah. April 30th, uh, Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez. Who wins that fight in your opinion? How do you see it going? Yeah, in my opinion, um, uh, Shakur will take it. I think Shakur will take it. You know, Shakur is a far better boxer compared to uh, uh, Valdez. You know, Valdez got the heart. But Shaku got more skill and he's more effective. You know, I, I trust in Oscar's uh, power, punching power in the heart. But uh, Shaku, I think Shaku is a far better skillful that he can do. Uh, adjust, make more adjustments to beat uh, Valdez. Okay, so you think Stevenson will win? Yeah, I think a lot of people agree. If you've got any closing message before we finish the interview, if you have any closing message for anyone listening to this anywhere in the world, what is your final message before we finish the interview? Yeah, no, uh, you know, to the boxing world, I, I just want to say when it comes to junior light, they should not forget to, to mention Jeremiah Nagatila. And uh, I'm coming for everything. I feel this is my time to shine. And, uh, you know, I just uh, enjoy, you know, working with top rank. You know, they are, it's a good promotion. And, uh, you know, I'm very thankful for them to grant me opportunity to, to fight at those levels. So, yeah, uh, looking forward to work more with them. And uh, also to my promoter, I'm happy. You know, for my promoter, Mr. Nesta Tobias, you know, for all what they have done and what he's doing to for me. 
Yeah, so the sky's limit for me. Uh, I'm looking forward, you know, to to be, you know, a world champion, you know, this year or next year. So any any opportunity that I get, I'm going to I'm going to utilize it. There we go. He's ready to utilize the opportunities coming off the best win of his career. That is, of course, Mr. Jeremiah Nakafila, a.k.a. The, the Namibian policeman and pub owner. Listen, Jeremiah, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you again. Congrats again on your win, and we will speak soon, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course... Usually the news part of the show, I'm used to just rolling straight into it. However, this week, as of yet, no real news at all to mention. So if anything happens, if any news breaks from now to the end of the show, I will speak about it on the outro. So let's dive straight into the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with a card that takes place tomorrow. I'm going all Spanish with this pronunciation. Sit back. I'm going to give you a five-second warning, listeners. Sit back. Put your feet up somewhere. Here we go. Five Four, three, two, one. This one takes place at the Palau Olympic Val de Hebron, Barcelona, Catalonia, Spain. I kind of just went Spain back to my normal voice, but I can do it. I can make the rules. It's on the zone. Um, nothing really to mention on the undercard. Uh, in fact, there is a there is a weird fight on the undercard. This is a bit of me. A guy called Froj Sepp. Yes. Froge. I don't know I don't know how that's pronounced, but I'm gonna say Froge. It's H R V O J E surname Sep S E P. He's eleven and zero in an eight rounder against Rickards Bolotniks, eighteen and six with a draw, been in there with um Joshua Boatzi, obviously beat um Jose Burton in Latvia, the Latvian fighter, so he's in an eight-rounder in Spain, very random. Elsewhere on the card, Jorgelina Guanini, who is 9-4 with two draws in an eight-two-minute round contest against Stevie or Stevie Levi, who's 5-0. and That's a girl who I think is managed or trained by Dave Allen. And the main event, Sandor Martin, 39-2, coming off that excellent win last time out against Mikey Garcia. He gets in with Jose Felix, who's also got 39 wins, but he has five losses and one draw. It's for the vacant WBA International Super Lightweight title. And the final card to mention takes place on Saturday night. It's quite a good card. It's on Sky. It's a boxer show. Um, at the Newcastle Arena, so there's more action back there, two weeks running. Um, on the undercard, Zach Chelly, 10-1 with a draw, gets in with the undefeated 8-0 Diego Costa, that's over six rounds there. We've got Bradley Ray as well, obviously friend of the show, really cool guy, Bradley Ray, 12-0, coming off of that first round knockout um, just about six weeks ago over Craig McCarthy. He gets in with Lucas Ndufaluma, who is from Namibia, so I'm a little bit torn on who I want to win, because we just spoke to Jeremiah Nakafila, no, of course, I'm going with Bradley Ray, but yeah, this guy here boasts a record of 20 and 4, only been stopped once, and it was in his last fight back in December of last year, um, but yeah, other than that, no standout names on the record, I think I know what's going to happen there, hopefully Bradley Ray, Bradley the Sting Ray gets another Another good knockout on his 
record. Um, it was supposed to take place, but it's fallen through. Nathan Gorman was supposed to be getting in there with Scott Alexander from Los Angeles, California. A bit of a weird fight, but yeah, that fight's not happening. I believe Gorman has got the flu or maybe coronavirus, something. Um, Florian Marku, this is a really good fight. Florian Marku, 10-0 with a draw, taking on Chris Jenkins. I mean, it's, it really feels like we're going full Namibian because Chris Jenkins in his last fight beat Julius Indongo, of course, and that one was only about two months ago. He beat him on points over eight, so he gets in here against Florian Marku for the IBF International Welterweight title. Um, that's over 10, so that could be interesting there. Um... Boxing skill-wise, you'd have to say Chris Jenkins could win, but Marku does hit hard. I think Marku will probably have the edge in size, and obviously it's over 10 rounds. Jenkins usually cuts really bad. I don't know, that's going to be a really good fight, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. And the main event, the final the final fight to mention, Savannah Marshall, 11-0, defending her WBO World Female Middleweight title. Peter Fury, the trainer in the corner, uh, she gets in with Femke Hermans, who has a record of 12-3, and three. it's over 10 two-minute rounds. Femke Hermans really simply just brought in because she went the distance and lost to Clarissa Shields. It was a complete shutout in that fight there, so she, I think, uh, wants to do one better, Savannah Marshall, and not just shut her out over 10 rounds, but stop her at some point during the contest, she's never been stopped, so all the best there to Savannah Marshall, and then hopefully we get the big all-ladies showdown between Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields, but that is it though, for the preview part of the show, there was a lot, a lot, a lot to review, then of course we welcomed our special guest, former world title challenger, the Namibian policeman and pub owner, Mr. Jeremiah Nakafila. in part two, there has been no news just yet, if anything happens, it's going to be talked about on the outro, and I've just wrapped up the preview part of the show just there, the final thing that I'm going to have to do is come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 337 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest, the former Super Featherweight World Title Challenger, the Namibian policeman and pub owner, Mr. Jeremiah Nakafila. It's important that you mention all three of his job roles at once when you speak about the man from Namibia. Uh, but yeah, like I say, the biggest thanks, as always, goes out to you the listeners thanks once again for tuning in there's been no news at all to mention so that pretty much is everything from me enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week